Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, we tackle racial and political bias inside news organizations with one whistleblower who says he was retaliated against when he called it out. It's a long-standing complaint by many political and racial bias inside newsrooms. A number of people at news organizations have quit in recent years citing bias inside their news organizations. This Sunday on Full Measure, February 19th, I'll be talking about that. And in today's podcast, an extended interview with one man making claims about Reuters news agency. Zach Kriegman was a director of data science at Reuters, when he says he noticed the news division reporting things about the Black Lives Matter movement that he says were not only contrary to the facts, but could be resulting in getting Black Americans killed. Now, before you hear from him, let me tell you Reuters' side of the story so that you can keep it in mind. Reuters declined my interview request on this topic, but a spokesman did tell us that Kriegman, the person you're going to be hearing from, quote, held no editorial position at the company, Remember, I said he was director of data science. And Reuters also said that, quote, Reuters reports on topics related to race and equality and the Black Lives Matter movement in a fair, unbiased, and independent manner. Now, here's Zach Kriegman. So I started in 2015 as a senior data scientist and at that point, I was mostly doing like statistical analysis and data processing um, and sort of trying to build the case for doing more sophisticated artificial intelligence and machine learning within the organization um, and trying to build the case that, that was actually applicable to the kind of problems that we were tackling. And then eventually I was successful in doing that and I was promoted to director of data science where I was leading a team of uh, other scientists applying the latest breakthroughs in artificial intelligence to Thomson Reuters data. So that information could be analyzed for news stories to use in stories or what? Yeah, so so Thomson Reuters is a big multinational media conglomerate. We have like, we have tax, we have uh, legal, including Westlaw, the biggest probably legal research tool. I used it in a former life. I was a lawyer and I used it at, when I was practicing law. Um, and, uh, we also have Reuters news and we would do projects with all three of them. I worked with Reuters news on a few projects a lot. I worked quite heavily on, uh, Westlaw and the legal division and then also a tax. And then we also had a financial division, which was spun off. I, I actually started an entire lab in Singapore for, for the financial division that was spun off. And then, um, and then also IP and science, which was spun off. But 
Had you worked in a news environment before? No, no. And I wasn't in the newsroom itself. I was in a sort of centralized corporate facility or, or, or uh, capability that we would work with all these different groups within the organization. Your lawsuit or a complaint that you filed says that you were subjected to a racially hostile environment and then terminated in retaliation for complaining about the racially hostile environment. Exactly. How did that begin? Yeah, so it began really when I started witnessing this sort of new racial ideology spreading throughout the company um, and people embracing the core tenets of the Black Lives Matter from the, you know, the senior leadership all the way down. Um, and that, as a data scientist, that concerned me because I'd been sort of following the research uh, coming out of academia and coming out of government agencies about Black Lives Matter and its core claim that police are biased towards shooting black people. And I found out that that core claim was false. But not only that, the research also showed that that claim was driving these huge reductions in policing, uh, which corresponded to soaring violent crime, including thousands of murders. Um, of black people. Of primarily. primarily black people. You, you can look at the, the curves and, you know, you see a little blip for white people, but you see it like this uh, right around, you know, right around Black Lives Matter and, and the various different um, big, you know, protest uh, periods. So, so yeah, Black Lives Matter falsehoods were driving thousands of murders or causing thousands of murders of black people, people who would be alive today if not for those falsehoods. So I knew that as like a white employee, I couldn't say anything critical about the Black Lives Matter without putting my career in jeopardy at Thomson Reuters. Isn't that a problem to begin with? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge problem. And it's, you know, it was, and it's not just about Black Lives Matter. There's this whole uh, racial ideology. I think it's highly connected. Um, and I felt like, you know, Thomson Reuters had a public trust to, to be reporting truthfully, and we were failing. Can you give an example of some of the data you looked at that allowed you to scientifically conclude what you did? Yeah, sure. So if you're looking at if we're looking at the question of police bias and application of lethal force, what we're really looking for is a mismatch between the times when police actually use violence and the times that they needed to use violence in order to protect their lives or protect the lives of others. That's what a bias would mean in that case. Um, you know, some uh, you know that police are using. Uh, f force more readily for one group in relation to how often they need it than for another. Um, the best measure of how often police officers need to use lethal force is how often they're murdered by criminals, because that takes away any question of subjectivity. If you're murdered by criminals, clearly your life was in grave uh, danger. Um, so the, if you look at it in terms of uh, the rate, uh, you know, the comparison using the that police officers are murdered as the benchmark, what you discover is that police shoot whites disproportionately to the rate that whites murder police officers, white criminals murder police officers, and they do not shoot black suspects disproportionately to the rate at which black criminals murder police officers. In fact, they shoot substantially less black suspects than you would predict based on the number of police officers murdered by black criminals. Um, so... That was, that's one example, and I could I could sort of describe sort of the the research studies coming out of top institutions as well. That that's all right. I think that's a good 
piece of data that explains or good uh, point of strategy you used. So you have this information. You think it's important, ethically important to the news organization, but you're worried about bringing it forward. What did you decide to do? Yeah, so I actually wrestled with this uh, and, you know, I talking it over with my wife because I knew, you know, I could potentially lose my job just even talking about uh, these issues. Um, and I even took a couple months leave while I sort of tried to figure out what to do because I felt like really it was a, you know, it was an ethical obligation to try to at least bring attention within the organization to how our reporting was inconsistent with the data. So ultimately, I decided to um, basically just summarize the academic research uh, into a post that I that I posted on an internal forum um, to try to just start a discussion. This was not a public forum, you know, available to the general public. It was just uh, on the, on what we call the hub uh, at Thomson Reuters, which is um, where people collaborate and share information about the business, but also about social issues like this. What time frame was that approximately? Uh, so that would have been a few months before, well, like probably a month or two before I was fired in um, June 6th of 2001. 2000, not 2000. 2021. Um, what was the response you got? What was the first that you heard? You might be in trouble for that. Yeah, so just as I had feared... <laughs> The response was incredibly angry, you know, personal attacks directed at me, but also like highly racialized attacks. Um, people told me that uh, as someone with white skin, it was inappropriate to really say anything negative or critical about the Black Lives Matter movement. That They were ashamed and embarrassed for me that I had done that. Um, they said, you know, that my summary of the academic literature was white-splaining. Uh, which I think is sort of shockingly racist thing to say, as if black people don't care about facts and, you know, real research. And also, you know, I was summarizing a lot of black scholars who who were trying to get this, you know, this information out, like Roland Fryer, who was, you know, probably did the best study on the subject. Um, They told me I was confused and laughable. I was a troll. I wasn't even worth attempting to have uh, an intelligent conversation with. They actually even compared me to a sympathizer of the Ku Klux Klan. Um, it just got incredibly nasty, incredibly quickly. And I think what that shows is just how this sort of internal, this new kind of racial ideology that had spread through the company had really emboldened um, you know, supporters of the Black Lives Matter movement where they felt like, you know, this is, this is acceptable. This, you know, these sort of like... Um, violations of normal professional conduct would would not, you know, be a problem for them. So what happened next? What led to the actual termination of you for your job? Yeah. So I saw how these attacks on me were making it impossible to have a conversation. No one wanted to come out and actually sort of discuss the facts when they saw these like, you know, e- extremely aggressive personal attacks on me, especially racialized attacks. No one wants to be called a racist. Um, so I, t- I sent an email to HR saying, you know, basically, look, these racialized attacks are making it impossible to have a discussion about the veracity of our reporting. And um, in response to that, they censored everything that I'd written and prohibited any kind of, 
you know, critical examination of Black Lives Matter. Um, and that was even more <laughs> concerning because now not only could we not, uh, now not only were we reporting these falsehoods that were getting thousands of black people murdered, but uh, now we couldn't even talk about it internally. So we could never remedy or rectify our false reporting. So then I sent an email to senior leadership and other colleagues, uh, basically describe, describing this kind of racialized bullying and how it shut down the conversation. And they fired me for that. What did they say was your lapse? Well, yeah. So after they censored my post, uh, HR representative actually called me up and told me that if I um, complained about the racialized bullying on any company communications channel, uh, that it, it would lead to um, it would lead to discipline, at, including termination. And the actual email they fired me by email. The actual email they said just said um, your conduct in recent weeks does not align with our expectations of you as a leader within the organization. So we're firing you. Um, but, it, you know, it was it was very clear. They had told me that if I continued to complain about the racialized bullying, they would fire me. And that's exactly what happened. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You were a manager earning six figures, is that right? Yep. Had you ever been taken a task for anything with your job before? Nope. I had, uh, I'd been working there for six years. I'd just recently gotten a huge promotion from senior data scientist to director of data science. Um, I'd never received a negative job review, so... They really couldn't point to anything um, that I, you know, any legitimate performance-related reason. The only thing they could say uh, was that, you know, they didn't like my conduct, which was consisted in recent weeks, which consisted entirely of trying to start a discussion about how our reporting was inconsistent with the facts. I know you said people are afraid to have the conversation with you for the reasons you described. Did anybody at Reuters express an alliance with your line of thinking or are there other people that think like you do that follow the data and speak about the facts as you see them well there well there were definitely people within thomson reuters who reached out to me privately um to basically say holy moly what is going on here like we can't even talk about the facts this is crazy no one was willing to sort of go out publicly, or at least I'm, I don't mean publicly outside of the organization, but within the organization and say, uh, you know, rebuke any of these sort of racialized attacks or stand up for me. 
um, there was one person who said, okay, that seems sort of compelling and then sort of brought it to, uh, you know, and then started a discussion about related issues. Um, and that's actually someone I worked with personally. Um, but then after these sort of racialized attacks started piling on, no one, like she was not interested in continuing the conversation. So. I'm not sure people understand that a service like Reuters, at least my understanding from working in the news business is, they do a lot of news gathering that is picked up by other news organizations and networks, for example, and newspapers that rely on the Reuters reporting to then publish stories of their own. So what does this story that you've told say about the news industry? Yeah, so, I mean, it's my understanding that this same kind of, like, um, you know, racial ideology and sort of, uh, and the bullying that goes along with it, really, I think, hand in hand, is prevalent throughout the news industry. I mean, Reuters itself, as you were referring to, syndicates to thousands of other newspapers. I think they they also uh, publish their broad their videos to hundreds, like six hundred broadcasters or something. So they have they reach billions of people every day, and um, and they also have like this very strong reputation for being sort of trustworthy and. Uh, I think, and uh, sort of middle of the road balanced reporting. So I think that it, the uh, their role in particular, as they're, as they're sort of starting to, as their reporting is filtered through this distorted lens and everything they're reporting on topics like Black Lives Matter is distorted, uh, it, I think it affects the entire landscape. But I, my understanding is this is happening in newsrooms across the country. What is, what is it that you think people should know or take away from this as news consumers? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing is break out of your media bubble. Don't read just on the left or just on the right. Search out sources from the left and the right. You know, it's like we all learn from when we're kids that there's two sides to every story. Um, and yet so many of us, when we're reading the news, we're comfortable just reading the New York Times or just reading Fox. And I think what we really need to do is start understanding that that is that maybe at one point that made sense. Maybe at one point the news sources were more balanced, but um, at this point, it's simply not the case. And you can't really feel fully informed. Uh, You shouldn't really ever consider yourself fully informed if you're really just reading from one side of the political spectrum. Um, it's sort of like, you know, as a lawyer or former lawyer, um, I think of it like uh, our adversarial system. Like no one, no one would ever consider it okay for the jury to render a verdict after hearing just the prosecution or just the defense. And yet that's what we do every single day as voters. We'll read only one side from one part of the political spectrum and we'll consider ourselves informed. And I think we've got to move away from that. Um. You're actually fighting your termination. So this is an employment lawsuit or complaint that you filed? Yes. I'm, so it's, uh, it, I guess the first step of an employment lawsuit is filing a complaint with the Massachusetts uh, Commission Against Discrimination. And then from there, you can request a, a right to sue letter, which allows you to then go ahead and file an actual lawsuit. And so we're, we're sort of working through that process um, 
Thompson, uh, we filed a complaint. Thompson Reuters filed a position statement in response. And then we filed a rebuttal to that. And now there's a conference set up uh, in July. So we'll see what it looks like. At that point, we can request our right to sue letter and um, then see what the courts say. What is, how would you summarize Thompson Reuters' position on you as they've described it? Um, so they're claiming, I think, entirely pretextually that I, that, that I stopped working and that I refused to work. Uh, completely false. Um, there's no, there's, you know, there's no documents uh, to that regard. Um, in fact, there's plenty of documents showing that I was, like, getting stuff done, um, asking. I mean, there was, in fact, um, a long delay getting the data for one of our for a big project that I was working on with this so we we're a centralized group and uh, we con- sort of consult with other groups and some of these groups are extremely protective of their data so one of the groups is runs this database called clear which has all sorts of personal information people's arrest records and stuff like that so they were it took us months and months to get that data and the whole time I was talking with my boss saying, hey, maybe I should be staffed on another project while we're waiting to get our hands on this data. So they're using that as, uh, as a pretext for saying that somehow I was refusing to do my work, which is absolutely false. To make sure I understand the nexus between what you learned and Black Deaths, I think you're saying um, that information or claims made by Black Lives Matter that are false has led to defunding of police, which has led to an increase in black murders in many places. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's become, I mean, I think that's more and more a consensus within the field of criminology that that the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests and so forth have driven this sort of anti-police sentiment, defund the police, fewer police patrols or police just not willing to engage with suspects. And that has res- resulted in sort of soaring violent crime. And there have been pretty robust uh, studies of this. So again, the, probably one of the best studies of this was also done by Roland Fryer. He's the, uh, actually a black researcher, one of the, a star in his field, um, one of the top researchers in his field. Um, and he set out to prove the tenets of the Black Lives Matter movement. He actually grew up poor, had his own run-ins with police, believed in the core idea and then got this big team together, did this really robust study, and discovered the exact opposite uh, of the core claim. And then he did. And then he looked. Okay, well, now that we know that this, you know, police are not biased towards shooting black people, uh, then he looked at what effect that these protests and that claim was having on police officers, uh, or rather on crime in these cities that are struggling with violent crime in these communities that are struggling with violent crime. Ironic that you were saying things that you thought would save black lives ultimately. Yeah. So you were on that side, but being accused of being racist. Yeah. When the opposite seemed to be the case. Yeah. I was accused. Yeah. I was like a clueless, dumb white person, KKK sympathizer, literally compared to a KKK sympathizer, because I was trying to bring attention to how our false reporting was leading to the murders of thousands of black people. Um It was pretty upsetting. If you're interested in learning more about this, Zach Kriegman has a sub stack where he lays it all out, including a post where he outlines what he says 
is the best research linking the Black Lives Matter narrative to defunding the police and murders of blacks. Go to Substack and look for Zach Kriegman, K-R-I-E-G-M-A-N. One of his relevant posts is titled, Post Leading to Termination. I hope you'll watch Full Measure Sunday, February 19th. You can find out how to watch on TV, online, or on our app by going to CherylAckison.com and clicking the Full Measure tab. We have a list of stations and times. If you miss it, you can always watch replays at FullMeasure.news online, or just go to CherylAckison.com, click the Full Measure tab, and you can click the cover stories to see that story and all of my cover stories. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and if so, that you'll subscribe to it, share it with your friends, and leave a great review. And check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Ackeson Podcast. If you value independent journalism, consider supporting it by going to the CherylAckeson.com page, the store tab, and shop for some cool products for independent thinkers with proceeds supporting independent reporting causes like the IN Awards, which are cash awards I provide to journalism schools and professionals to reward fair, accurate reporting on topics that are underreported or censored in much of the media. We have new slogans and products with those at the store, by the way, including A Lion Cares Not to Follow the Sheep and I Need to Find New Conspiracy Theories, All My Old Ones Came True, as well as Do Your Own Research, Make Up Your Own Mind, Think for Yourself. <laughs>